Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP and check out my page with the latest of what I'm drinking right now. Wine Access is awesome and we couldn't do this podcast without them. Support them as they support us. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP and listen in the middle of the show for more details. In my effort again to get back to some of the more traditional MCIs Elizabeth shows... Because we're not doing it on the road this time. Well, we're not doing it on the road. And we've, I do have a guest joining next week. You know, I'm trying to keep it at like, you know, as we've every progressed, it's about 50, 50, 50 now on guests, which it used to be way, way less. Mm-hmm. But I think now we've progressed and we've done so many shows on so many topics that at this point now it's more evidence-based who's right. actually doing it. Yep, yep. We still have lots to cover well, in the world of wine. Clearly it's because I know everything now. So. Well, again, Claudette would be, yeah. I mean, we mentioned I last I really don't time. have any more questions you to got ask. Nothing. You yeah, got nothing. Yeah. Although I feel like this one is not one that you know a whole lot about, but we'll, we're going to test your outer limits of wine knowledge. I There's think, not going to be much difference between the outer limits and the inner limits, by the way. That's amazing. Right? It's <laughs> particle physics here. Okay. I don't know how to segue into this, but I will say that right before we started recording, I was singing the song Hold Me Close, Tony Danza. You know that song, right? Tiny Dancer by Elton John. Yes. We were talking about all of the fantastic people that we have met over the years who have messed up lyrics of songs. And I would like, as an audience, if we really could help each other out and post all of the lyrics that you thought were one way, but were actually another. I cannot remember my worst one, but I do know that my best friend in high school thought this sun will come out tomorrow was son of a gun tomorrow. Also, a really good friend when I was traveling abroad in Italy told us that she didn't want to admit it, but she thought Invisible Touch by Phil Collins was, she seems to have an easy bound top shed. Easy bound top shed? She really was very confused as to why he would talk about an easy bound top shed and what the heck that meant. Didn't you have one also? Yeah, I've got, I'm sure I've got plenty. I'll have to go back into the coffers and see if I can dig them up. Those are really some of the better ones that I have heard in my life. I can't, and and hold me close, Tony Danza is, uh, that goes right up there. It really does. That was my sister's. It wasn't hers. It was a friend of hers. Oh, it was a friend of hers. Yeah. Which I think is pretty freaking fantastic. So anyway, if you have that, which I know you do, I mean, like, I know you're listening to this and going, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember the time that I thought the lyrics were blah and they were actually blah. It's actually hilarious. So please share it with us because we always like a laugh. I know that some of you are thinking about it right now and laughing at yourselves. So well, now I'm going to be thinking sure. about this during the whole podcast. So don't I don't think about that during the whole podcast. The podcast is a great mini series. Where are we cheating? Because last week is the great mini series extender of the alternative to Riesling, right? Which many of you wrote to me and said there is no alternative to Riesling. What? And although I agree, did they not listen to the podcast? No, no, no. I mean, what they're saying is Riesling is queen. You know I agree. Yes, of course you do. But you can't only drink Riesling. Or I guess you could. You could. I could probably. I could probably. You could. But what would I do without Fiano? 
What would yeah, I, you know, was, you know, what would I do without Suave? So what would I do without Chablis? Mm-hmm. This, these are problems. These would be real problems. I love Riesling, but I do step out sometimes. None of these grapes that I just mentioned were on the Riesling alternatives list, although I do drink a lot of the Riesling alternatives as well. Anyway, before we get started, let me just do some shout outs to our patrons. Remember that a lot of people commented on the big hulking winery list without patrons and without Patreon, we can't stay independent. We'd be taking money from those people instead of... They would be owning us. Yeah, they'd be owning... Forget that. Yeah, that's what has happened to a lot of people who I started with. They just sold out. So we appreciate patrons who allow us not to sell out, and that includes Rachel B., Natalia P., Merv, Gianna B., Cherry D., Tony B., Tom C., Alicia C., Sabitha T., Adam W., Kenny C., Joshua M., and Gilbert L. Thank you, everybody, for your support. Without you, we cannot do this show. Please consider joining, and we also have some really fun and awesome conversations. It's a great way also to get more involved with the community. All right. This podcast is about another white wine that we've never covered before, although we have covered its partner grape. It is Marsan. Marsan. Now, in retrospect, I feel like we probably should have covered Marsan and Roussan together. But I do recall thinking I wanted to separate them with that would some be time between right, with some time between them because they are similar. Right. And not only are they similar, they're also related. There is a parent-child relationship, although I am unclear about who is the parent here. There's a parent-offspring relationship between Marsan and Roussan, and they are often confused. And Marsan is commonly blended with Roussan, although Roussan is generally accepted as the higher-quality grape. This sounds like a Disney movie. It's, it's We don't confusing. know which one's the parent and which one's the child. It is a little Freaky Friday, isn't yes. it? Yeah. So this is a white grape. It was first mentioned in 1781 with the description of white from the very, very famed region of Hermitage in the Northern Rhone. And if you want to know about the pedigree of Marsan, Marsan is a big proportion of white Hermitage. And in fact, in some Hermitage, which we will discuss white Hermitage, it is the sole grape. Hmm. So... Despite the fact that a lot of people don't think that it's up to the standards of Roussan, that is not necessarily the case. Thomas Jefferson praised White Hermitage, which is generally a blend of Roussan and Marsan, as the first white wine in the world without a single exception. I feel like he said that about every wine he tasted. It's a little excessive. At this point, I don't feel like TJ had a whole he, lot he, of cred. I, he, he was certainly full of superlatives. He also really liked every wine he tried in France, and he was a complete Francophile. So he's a Francophile. You yeah. can't you can't throw cast stones at that. No, I do love the wines of France, but I would say that to say that each one is the best is a little in its own a little in, like after a while it loses its sparkle. But anyway, as I mentioned, parent offspring between Marsan and Roussan commonly blended with Roussan. And this tradition comes from Hermitage and the areas around Hermitage. Hermitage, Crow's Hermitage, Saint-Joseph. These are areas that make white wines that are a blend of these two grapes. And these days, there is more Marsan than Roussan. So Marsan, although it is native to the Northern Rhone, 
it's the most common white grape in the Northern Rhone. Again, even though hmm. Roussan is seen by many as higher quality. I will explain why in a second. But the name and the origins are from a village and an abbey of Marsan in the Drôme, which is northeast of the town of Montelimar, which is in the Rhone. So this is a Northern Rhone area. And the grape is spread to a lot of different areas, other parts of France, Australia, the U.S. And when I say the U.S., I'm not just talking about California. I'm talking about Washington State, Virginia, New Jersey, Michigan, Hmm. and a bunch of other places. There's a little bit in Chile. Spain has some. Italy has some. New Zealand, South Africa, and many other places. But more than 80% of Marsan in the world is in France. And when I say more than 80% of the world's Marsan is in France, I am talking about 1,600 hectares or 4,000 acres by the count that I have. That is a very small amount of this grape in the world. Uh, okay, that doesn't seem like very much. So what's the point of this podcast, please? It is really important because it makes some of the greatest white wines in the world. Yeah, but if if no one can buy it, well, let me guess, it's crazy expensive. No. No one can find it. No, a lot of people do not know how Why good... Why don't we talk about Ferraris? No, yeah, I mean, no, yes. no. Well, actually, you know, funny enough, the Ferrari family has been on the podcast talking uh, about their wines see? from Trento. But anyway, I will say, and it is the same family, the importance and significance is that although there isn't a lot of Marsan in the world, the Marsan that there is, A, is available. So you can go and look at, let's just use Australia for an example, Darenberg, which is a really big commercial brand and is widely available in the U.S., which is, I know Australian listeners are infinitely frustrated with me, but I'm just telling you the truth, which is that we can't get a lot of the boutique brands. Simone Madden Gray talked about why that is, all of the import and the paperwork and the taxes. It's not worth it for a lot of your better brands in Australia to make it here. But Darenberg makes a serviceable wine. Some of their wines are good and they have a Marsan blend that makes it here. Do they call it Marsan? They, it is on the bottle. I think it has some other things in it, but it's definitely Marsan. Also, you can find white Crozes Hermitage. If you want to spend the money, you can find white Hermitage. You can find white Saint Joseph. All of these wines are going to have Marsan in them. Yes, it's important for that reason that it is such a high quality grape and makes some really great wines. Now, some of this is due to the people who grow it because sight matters incredibly with Marsan. It's very weather dependent, like mean, a lot of grapes. If you mean terroir is important? Yeah, I know. Shocking. Weird, huh? I know. I know I say this with a lot of grapes, but if it's too hot, mm-hmm. you will get fat wines with no acidity. It's not going to balance or structure. It's just going to kind of sit in your mouth, flabby, mm. as we call it, mm-hmm. right? Like somebody one time asked me what that was. It's like sticking grandma arm in your mouth. Ugh. That's what flabby is, though. And no, it's not cloying. Cloying would be sweet and sugary. This is like putting a piece of fatty something in your mouth. It just sits there. It's really disgusting. If it's too cool, Marsan makes bland wines. That Ooh, have no that flavor. To me. No, they have no texture either. They're Ooh. not fat. So what you need is something in between. Because if you get that, you'll have very complex and age-worthy wines. Like what you get in Hermitage, Crozes Hermitage, Saint-Joseph. Late budding, 
which is great because in the Northern Rhone especially, you can have spring frosts and that's a big problem. So with late butters, it's much better. Mid-ripening, which is also really great because a later ripening grape, you have to worry about the fall frost and rain. Right. It's very productive, vigorous, and high yielding. That means if you're going to get a good wine, you better pay attention to this grape. It is possible to make Marsan that is terrible. But if you green harvest and you prune at the correct time, then you can get a really nice wine. Are you saying it's high maintenance, though? It is fairly high maintenance, just like Roussan. It's lower maintenance than Roussan, Mm -hmm. but high maintenance nonetheless. Large bunches of very small berries. They turn kind of golden brown when they're close to ripening. And the vines can survive a long time. That's really important because older vines, if they are survivors, are going to make better wines. And once this vine hits around 20 years, Mm -hmm. the wine's going to start to get better. And that is great because some of these older vines are making really interesting wines, especially in New World places. It's much more reliable than Roussan. So it's planted more in the Rhone. Roussan has given up a ton of ground to Marsan in the Northern Rhone. However, do they like, blend it? Yes, they do. Sometimes, sometimes they just do Marsan these days. They also have some vineyard problems with it. Powdery mildew, mites, botrytis, and not the good kind are going to be problems. Also, it's got to be grown on kind of steeper hillsides with warm, stony, and fertile soils. I'm basically describing the Northern Rhone. The roots can dig really deep. That's going to enhance flavor. So it does really well on granite, which is what the Northern Rhone is. Some limestone, some clay. It does well on all of those soils of the Northern Rhone. This kind of sounds like what Tablas Creek has in Paso Robles. Well, Tablas Creek has calcareous soils, which is more on the limestone side than on granite. Uh And we'll talk about them later because they do grow Marsan. Jason Haas has done so much research on grapes. So that's one of the sources that I used for this podcast because they have so much great information and they know what it's like to grow the grape outside of the Rhone, but with advice from people who are in the Rhone because they're a partnership with Bocastel, who is actually in the Southern Rhone. So picking decision with this grape is vital. It's easy to grow. We just talked about that, Mm -hmm. but it's not easy to grow well. Ripeness is an issue, like I said, because you don't want flabby and you don't want no flavor. Growers will sometimes pick right before the grape gets ripe, and that is going to give you more acidity and balance, but the problem is you won't have full flavor development. But if you have full ripeness, then you're going to have higher alcohol and lower acidity. So you might have good flavor, but then you're not going to have the balance that you might need to have a really great wine that can age. So there's that. And with the winemaking, you can have a little bit of oak, but you can't have too much oak. If you do that, it's going to be all oak. It'll just take too much of the oak up. And most of it is made to be consumed young, except when it's from certain sites when it's incredibly it age-worthy. Aged 20 years. Some of it and some of it not. So it depends on the site. Okay, because well, that was going to be my complaint. I can't wait 20 years to buy no, no, no. and consume all this wine. No, it's... and most of it is not okay. made for that. The Hermitage, yes. Crow's Hermitage, no. And Saint-Joseph, no. We're talking about, you know, within a couple of years. Okay. It would 
help to sit on it for a couple of years, but you may get it a couple of years old, so Mm -hmm. you could drink it then. Let's just talk about what the wine is. If you had a varietal Marsan, if it was picked early, you'll get a straw-colored wine. If you pick it later, it's going to be a deeper yellow because you're going to get more pigment because remember I said that the berries turn a little brownish. golden? Yeah, it'll be a golden. Okay. Also with age, it gets mm, golden. Mm-hmm. For younger wines... It's what Blanche and... Uh, Dorothy. Dorothy, yes, Yeah, from yes. the Golden Girls. If you're going to do the reference, know, you got to get it I know, I right. should have just like, said have Blanche right, and Rose. Right I, I couldn't She's decide whether to pick Sophia, Rose or... Sophia, you totally messed this up. You're, just, you're done, man. The aromas and flavors of the younger wines. Things like, and again, it's not going to be in every single wine, pear and melon and peach, apple, honeysuckle, sometimes chamomile. Tomato leaf or rhubarb is another one. Matt Walls from Wines of the Rhone, who's been on the show before and is a friend of mine, cites that sometimes it can have tomato leaf, so it can be a little underripe. Minerals, Hmm. citrus, sweet spice, beeswax. And then the texture is generally, even if they pick early, full-bodied, it can have high alcohol, like I said. It can be fat or flabby if they don't take care of it. Moderate acidity is the best you can quote for. It can have low acidity and it can be a little bitter on the finish. That's actually a very typical Marsan note. With age, though, it will become silky and rich with oak, with malolactic fermentation. There you'll get more mango, you'll get creaminess, you might get vanilla notes. It will appear to be heavier because of that creaminess from Mm -hmm. the malolactic. And with age, there you will have honey, nuts, toast, orange blossom, white flowers and jasmine, and hazelnut, roasted nuts kind of thing, baked apple caramel. And it's going to seem richer with time. Actually, caramel? I don't don't think of any French wine being caramelly. Not in the same way that a California wine right. is caramelly, but you might get some of French, the sweet... All that comes from the oak, right? Yes, and French maybe, oak is so well, mild, right? No, because the California producers still use French oak. It just has to do with how it interacts with the wine and the toast level. The toast yes, and, and sometimes the maturity. Now, Marsan is a different grape from Chardonnay, which you're thinking of. Right. There's a lot of places that you can shop for wine, but is there anything better than Wine Access? I don't think so. Wine Access is amazing. WineACCESS.com slash WFMP brings you to a page of my picks. It will get you 10% off your first order. And let me just tell you, Nobody cares more about getting you access to amazing wines. I am so excited because I just did all the videos for the wine club that I have with Wine Access, wineaccess.com slash normal. And I was so thrilled at the fact that they allowed me and Serge Dore to put together a package of wines for the wine club. All these fantastic wines that Serge has talked about over the years, if you've listened to the podcast and you know he's a fantastic importer out of the Northeast, works with small French family winemakers. I've known him for years, love his wines, and I know they're hard to get, but that's what Wine Access does. They give you access to things you can't get normally, and they do it with class and style. They were rated Best Wine Club by Wirecutter. They are a partner of the Michelin Guide. If you have not checked them out, go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP. Get 10% off your first order. Support them. They help 
keep this podcast going. And if you want to get great wines and help the show, please go to my special URL. You will get great bang for your buck. You will get a ton of information, knowledge, and education. Check them out today, wineaccess.com slash WFMP. And if you want to support the podcast, remember to join and help keep this podcast independent and help keep us alive by joining Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash wine for normal people is how you get to join the community and participate in all of the fun things that we do all the survey questions that we do each week, the weekly tips, the hangouts, the discussions. Check it out today, patreon.com slash wine for normal people. Less than four to 5% of listeners are members of Patreon and we survive and the show keeps going as a result of them. And if you're interested in really diving deep into a subject on wine and spending a really fun Saturday evening with me and a group of your peers, go to winefornormalpeople.com slash classes and sign up for our two-hour in-depth look at regions and grapes and things like that. Chardonnay around the world is coming up, as is Wines of Loire. And there are always new classes being posted. Wineformnormalpeople.com slash classes. Reserve your spot today. Only $30 a person. Now let's get back to the show. Does it, it absorb express, the oak more? You have to be careful about how much new oak you put on Marsan because hmm. it can really affect that. It can have spiciness too. And the other thing is that in a blend, it's going to add texture and body. And because it has lower acidity, that's going to be a big positive if you blend it with something that has higher acidity. So it's got color, it has mineral notes, nuttiness, some spice. With Roussan, it's going to make Roussan less acidic and less viscous. It will thin it out a little bit and add some complexity. That's why it's such a great blending partner mm -hmm. for Roussan. If it's with Viognier, it's going to complement Viognier because it doesn't have all that big peachy floral fruit. When we say peach and Marsan, we're talking about something much more subtle than what you'll get in Viognier, which is just all aroma and all flowers. Marsan is moderately aromatic, but it's not over the top by any means. If we were to compare Marsan and Roussan, because I know that's a question that everybody's thinking of right now, is besides what thing you can contribute to our bad lyrics competition, right. which really is important, is they're both medium to full-bodied. They both have moderate to low acidity. They're not acidic grapes. Roussan is more like pear and honeysuckle. It's also much harder to grow. It's prone to botrytis 10 times as much as Marsan is. It browns as it ages. It's much harder to work in the vineyard. It's much more finicky. But is it that much better? Is it worth the extra effort? It can be. It usually sounds like is not better. so much if, if no, Marsan is, is, is replacing Roussan. No, Marsan is replacing Roussan because it's easier to grow. That's okay. why. It's not for flavor profile, but no, for I know, its but, ease in growing. Right. If it's just a little bit less good taste-wise, but it's much easier to grow, that seems like a pretty easy value decision. And so you are basically a grower in the Northern Rhone because that's the calculus that they're making now as they're pulling up Roussan to put more Marsan in. And Roussan used to be the bigger grape, but now Marsan is because it's easier to grow. There are also different styles. So I do want to say Marsan can come in dry wine, but it can also come in straw wine. 
which is grapes dried on straw mats in the sun. So you get the raisin juice and pressed and fermented. Let's just jump into the regions. Basically, this is the grape of the Rhone. I mean, Rhone has 2,000 acres. There's 816 hectares, the 4,000 acres. Mm-hmm. We see Hermitage, Crow's Hermitage, Saint-Joseph, and then Saint-Perret. In all these appellations, the grape can be combined with Roussan. Jason Haas, as I mentioned, Tablas Creek in Paso Robles, cites that J.L. Shav has had vineyards since the Middle Ages in Hermitage. Hmm. It used to be 50-50 Marsan-Roussan. J.L. Shav is a very prestigious producer. Mm-hmm. Those Hermitage vineyards are now 85% Marsan and 15% Roussan. So you can see that just in the figures alone. Marsan is incredibly popular in Hermitage. Michel Chapoutier, the producer of Hermitage, right. uses the grape exclusively for white Hermitage wines. Now, we recently had the Chante Alouette, and it was a little bit aged, very robust. I have to say that I liked it, but I did not like it as much as I have liked Roussans that I've had. I don't know that Marsan is my favorite, but I do know people pay a lot of money, including us. We paid a lot of money for the Chante Alouettes. Oh, that's right. We had it with your dad. He did not he care for it. it. It was like really viscous. It was very dark and it was old. I think it was like 10 or 15 Maybe years old. it was just too old. It was not too old. I felt that it didn't have enough flavor and I didn't love it. I do know that these wines are coveted. I think you got that from me as a present. I think like maybe a book, maybe when I wrote the book. I don't remember. But anyway, Chapoutier. Also have Hermitage de la Ray, Hermitage de la Miel, Hermitage Vin de Payel, their straw wine, all Marsan dominant. I should also mention that within Hermitage, Croze Hermitage and Saint-Joseph, you are allowed to use Marsan and Roussan in the reds. You can use it in the Syrah. Most people don't do it, though. Interestingly, still in Cote Roti, almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody uses a percentage of Viognier in their Syrah. Mm-hmm. But in the other appellations, you're not allowed to use Viognier. You're only allowed to use Marsan or Roussan. No one really does that, strangely. I think there's maybe one producer who does it. I remember asking Matt Walls. He said there's like one person who still does that. I can't believe you're poo-pooing my birthday present. I don't think it was a birthday present. Oh. It was for something else. It was probably just an I love you, it's Wednesday present. It was a curiosity. I think it was a very interesting wine. I don't mean to poo-poo it at all. I'm kidding. I think that some of the other wines that you have purchased for me in the past have been a little bit more interesting, but it was important to have it because Chantal Louette is a famed wine of Hermitage. And I really do love the whites and I have had some excellent, I like the whites of San Joseph better than I like the reds of San Joseph, for example. And they are mostly Marsan. I did spend $5,000 on that bottle. I'm really sorry. Yeah. So it wasn't worth it. No, probably not. (laughs) No offense. I don't think there's any wine that's worth $5,000, but anyway. Two years of income down the drain. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> anyway, so dry sparkling wine is made with Marsan in Saint-Pere. You can use Roussan in that too. If you are looking to try white Northern Rhone, you can look for vintages 14, 16, 20, 21, and they can Those age. Those are all good, good yes, years, really? Yes, yes, yes. 
those are top years. Right. It's not to say that other years weren't good, but those are really top years. 20 is pretty spectacular. 16 also. There was, haven't been a lot of really bad years, but 20 and 21 most recently have been great. And these wines can age up to 10 years. I was going to say, does that mean that so if they're great years, then you need to age them? Yeah. Okay. Collect them and age them. But it's 10 years. So if you buy Better a 20, 20 now, right? If you buy a 20 now and it's almost 2024. 20, that we're talking about, you know, if you open it next year, it's not really that big a deal. I think it will still so be really good. So we should buy them for the kids now. One of them will be 21 mm-hmm. in that time. Mm-hmm. All right, let's pivot over to the Southern Rhone. Interestingly, Chateau Neuf de Pop Blanc has a lot of different grapes in it. Roussan is allowed. You can add Viognier. Guess what you can add? Marsan. Marsan is excluded? Marsan is excluded. I read one explanation that said that it was not known in the 1930s in the region, so it was omitted in the AOC rules. I don't think that's possible. One thing I will say is that the grapes of the Northern Rhone have never been as popular in the South. It, now they are, it comes but they down didn't to used to. It's gotta be. There's gotta I be something. I think that it has always been looked on as less positive than Roussan, and I think that Chateauneuf decided that they did not want the lowly white of the Northern Rhone inside of their blend. I think that that's what happened. But again, the only information that I read was that it wasn't really well known in the 1930s and that's why it wasn't there. And I just can't see how Roussan would be and and Marsan wouldn't. But again, I don't know. It is not as popular in the South, but it is one of the six main white grapes in Cote de Rhone. Okay. So it's not in Chateauneuf, but it is in a lot of the Cote de Rhone. That's important because that's a lot of the volume. It's always used in blends in the South. Usually Cote de Rhone or Cote de Rhone Village, it can be a significant part of the blend with Viognier, with Grenache Blanc, with Berbalenque, Claret, and Roussan. All of those can be mixed together in Cote d'Iron or Cote d'Iron Village. It's not surprising to see Marsan being a large percentage of a Cote d'Iron. Grenache Blanc and Claret are probably more popular. Viognier is actually becoming quite popular in the Cote d'Iron blends. Hmm. But you will see Marsan. It just depends on where they're sourcing their grapes and what they're growing. But the six grapes in Cote d'Iron... And again, you're allowed many more. The six main grapes are Marsan, Roussan, Viognier, Grenache Blanc, Berbalenc, and Claret. Those are the main six in Cote de Rhone. It's important to understand that it is also a main grape in the Southern Rhone. It's also grown in other parts of the Rhone Valley. Remember that Cote de Rhone and the Rhone Valley are two different things. There are outside areas that are not considered the Cote. And those are things like Costier de Nîmes, Brignan, Les Adamar. Luberon, Ventoux. These are places also where you will find white blends with Marsan being a pretty big component. Other parts of France, Savoie, where Marsan is gross roussette in the Languedoc. They make a lot of varietal Marsan. They also blend it with Mionnier. Those are usually the Vendapaille or the IGP wines. Switzerland makes a good amount of Marsan, and they call it Hermitage Blanc or Hermitage, no H, hmm. just Hermitage. In the Valais region, they make dry and sweet wines. The sweet wines are more famous. You will find some in Italy, especially in Emilia Romagna, which is in the center of the country. In Portugal, in the Alentejo, Esperal uses it in a blend. Spain, it's known as Marsana, which hmm. 
makes sense. And then we move to the New World. The major place that this grape is grown in the New World is Australia. It was actually planted in Victoria and in South Australia in the 1860s. There are Jeez. vines in a winery called Tabilk in Victoria. I hope I'm saying that right. And they have the oldest productive Marsan vines in the world. Wow. They had them earlier, but these currently that are planted mm -hmm. are from 1927. Australia has done an amazing job of preserving these old vines, not grubbing them up, and keeping history preserved. Marsan is grown all over the place. You see a bunch of it in Victoria, some in Riverina for bulk wines, frankly. Also in Barassa, McLaren Vale, a bunch of other places. You see, and it's, it's used in bulk wines? Yeah. It can be added as a beefer upper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Australia makes some really great Marsan. And Tabilk in central Victoria was served to Queen Elizabeth II when she visited in 1953. And it can age for a decade. It is home to the largest single Marsan planting in the world. That's why I'm mentioning this particular winery. Mm -hmm. Modern style, they do only stainless steel tank fermentation. So they don't do the oak aging like they do in the northern Is that round. what you mean by modern style? Yeah. Long, slow-growing season. Okay. Now, I believe that I got the figure from Wine Australia. This is the second largest plantings in the world of Marsan at 403 acres or 163 hectares. Again, not a lot of Marsan okay, like planted in the world. Field. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> they grew some in New Zealand. They have some in British Columbia and in Washington State, where it is blended with Roussan and Viognier in both of those places. In California, the grape came much later than it did in Australia. In California, it came in the 1980s. Well, the Pacific Ocean is very large. Yeah, it can 120 take a long years time. Right. later. Yes. Although this grape like should, growing, have come, right. should have come from the northern round. Coupe was an early advocate for the grape. They mm -hmm. made a single varietal Marsan since 1987. You had the Rhone Rangers, which have been very instrumental in bringing Rhone grapes here. And Marsan was one of those grapes mm -hmm. generally used in blends. Tablas Creek uses their Marsan in the Cote de Tablas Blanc. I will point out that is not their highest end. That's their everyday white. So they have the Patalan de Tablas, Cote de Tablas, and then they have the Esprit de Tablas, which is really their Chateauneuf blend. And right. They put some Marsan in that sometimes, but I'm just saying the everyday wine for them is where they put the Marsan. So that should give you some idea of what the Bocastel family and the Haas family think about Marsan, that Got it's it. a good grape, but maybe not up to snuff for being the top. Also, they, they do want to do it like Chateauneuf and Marsan is not allowed in Chateauneuf and the Esprit de Tablas is based off of Chateauneuf. So there's that. If we just talk about the top producers, I've already mentioned an Hermitage, Chapoutier, mm -hmm. Chave. It's a really the top of the line. There are many excellent producers in Saint-Joseph and Croze Hermitage as well. You can look for these white wines. They're great. In California, you'll get Tablas Creek, Coupe, Sin Quanon, if you like their wines, J.C. Sellers in Napa, Tabilk in Victoria in Australia. And you will find this wine also in South Africa, you will find it all over the place in just little tiny plantings. I just want to make sure that we give a shout out to South Africa also. Food. If you're thinking about what to pair with a Marsan, you want something that's maybe like pan fried fish. 
Yeah. Or roasted chicken see, with chicken, herbs. You know, I could see some pork dishes going. Yes, with it. yes, lighter. You know, yes. you can't be really right, heavy. Right, right, right. Yes, goat cheese and salads with artichokes or something like mm-hmm. that. Seafood and shellfish. You can Ooh, also do lobster and crab, shrimp because it's got that thicker body. Right, right. Sea bass would be good. Ooh, Again, yeah. cream sauces on fish are great with this. You could also do spice and Asian food. Especially with some of those younger styles, with the more neutral wines, the Asian spice will give it a little bit more oomph. Hmm. Mild cheddars and gouda, and you can have aged marsan with stinky cheese, if that is something that you love. So that's pretty much it for marsan. It's not a huge one in the pantheon of grapes, because obviously there's not a lot of it planted. However, it's importance in the world of Rhone. Would you say that its level of importance is growing? I would say that because there is more being planted in the Northern Rhone and being used in the white wines of the Northern Rhone, yes. With time, it has become way more prestigious. It used to be the blending partner of Roussan. It's becoming more like Roussan is the blending partner of Marsan. So it has grown in importance in the whites of the Northern Rhone. And one thing that I will tell you is that after my trip to the Northern Rhone and working with some Northern Rhone producers on the podcast and stuff like that, I realize that whites, actually whites all around the world, are really growing in importance. So I think there is hmm. a role for Marsan to play here. Will it be as a single varietal? I do not believe so. I think that it it takes a very special sight to make this grape shine as a single varietal. And that exclusively can happen in Hermitage and maybe in a couple of other places. Would Australia be one of those? Yes, I would definitely say Tabilk, which I have not tried, but I would love to get my hands on. It sounds to me that Tabilk with age is a bit like Hunter Valley Semillon. It gets rich and full and almost seems like there's oak on it, even if there isn't. It's got some roasted nut notes, which are really interesting. So, yes, I think Australia is one of those places. The Northern Rhone is another one of those places. But will it become the big grape? I don't really see that. I'm not sure that it stands to be more than a niche and a supporting player to other grapes that go into a Rhone blend, which... By the way, is not to poo poo it. wrong with that. No, because you need each component of that blend. Just think about a Bordeaux. Right. If you don't have Merlot or you don't have Petit Verdot or you don't have Cabernet Franc, then you just have Cabernet Sauvignon. Yep. And it's not as interesting. That's right. The whole point of the blend is that all of these grapes in concert create something oftentimes better than just one grape alone. Marsan stands to... Increase in plantings for sure, certainly in Rhone, and I think in other places as well as they are discovering it grows pretty well in warmer areas, Mm -hmm. and it makes some really nice, rich white wines, which people are interested in now. Go Marsan, set forth and conquer the world. Go for it. So that is another one in the book for the great mini series. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.